And we're just grateful for all that God is doing in the house. Well, listen, there is a word from the Lord, and I am excited to be able to share it with you. If you will, if we can stand to our feet for the reading of God's word, I want us to go to the book of First Peter. What book did I say? We're going to First Peter. Uh, it is, for those who are new to Bible, it's in the second half of the Bible, very close to the end. And so I encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a physical Bible, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion app. Download the YouVersion app. It's very easy to navigate, and you can find scriptures therein very easy. And so First Peter chapter 4, and I want to look at verses 12 through 16. Peter says, Beloved, <clears throat> do not be surprised. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice somebody say rejoice rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed Bible says if you are insulted for the name of Christ this type of stuff isn't popular right People, people try to forget this stuff. But when you are insulted, they say when you get a new house. They say when you get a new car. No, it says when you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. That's not popular, is it? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But then he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Amen. On your way to your seat, just touch somebody, tell them game on, game on, game on. Listen, listen, how many of you remember this game? It's called Trouble, Trouble, Trouble. Trouble was a game that, you know, most of us grew up playing. And, um, you know, it's one of those ones that basically the... The objective of the game, the whole idea of trouble is that you, you press this popper in the middle and it's essentially like just a fancy way of rolling the dice. And once you roll the dice, right, you're supposed to start in your respective area and dependent upon the number that you get, that determines firstly if you're able to move out of your house area. So it's like once you're released to come out, then you start the journey. And then, based upon the roles that you get, right, you begin a journey around the board until you get back home. And so this is the objective of the game, trouble. And, you know, along the way, because it's trouble, you're going to meet some trouble, right? There, there may be some individuals that kick you out of your space, that take your spot. As you're going along the way. Anybody ever been in a position like that? Where it feels like somebody has pushed you out of place. Can I just paint the picture for a second? There's some trouble that you might encounter along the journey. Along the, your trip around the board. But although this is the case. This should not hinder you. Come on somebody. Should not hinder you from taking the journey. Because the fact is that just because there's trouble. There's still an opportunity for you and I to be able to win. How many of you know that life is a lot like trouble? Come on, somebody. And the fact of the matter is that there are many of us, and, and when I was thinking 
about this message as I was preparing to preach last week and I got up here, I almost felt like just stopping the message and just starting to just preach on trouble because I just sensed and still sense so many of us are here today and we're facing some of the most heinous things that we are up against, that we've ever been up against. And there's some of you who showed up today and that you're at the end of your rope and you're at the end of the road because of that which you've been facing. But I believe, I believe that there is some hope in the house today for somebody that showed up and I believe that there is, there is more beyond your trouble. In fact, if you will, if that's, that's encouraging enough, can you just look at your neighbor and just tell them there's hope beyond this? Come on, tell them there's hope, hope beyond this. Encourage the next person, tell them there's hope beyond this. There's hope, there's hope beyond this. Like the game of trouble, as I told you, you know, for some of you, what you're dealing with and the way you approach life is, you know, like I shared with you, you press this button and once you press this button, right, it determines the number you get determines the if you can get out of your house or you can get started around the board. And it also determines how many moves you are able to make. Anybody ever felt like your life is based upon a dice roll? Anybody ever felt like like God, like somebody's playing chance with your life? You know, it feels like, wow, what in the world? The things that I'm going through. Say, I mean, it must be by happenstance or, you know, we live, many of you, you may live your life based upon luck. Just trying to paste the, paint the picture and superstition. And I've talked about this before because there are many of us that because of our roots, especially if you grew up with any, with any sort of Caribbean or African descent, uh, not only, but even within certain North American contexts with reading tea leaves and going to sidekicks and all of these sorts of things. Because we, we think that based upon the luck that we have, that is determined, that determines what is happening in our lives. The fact of the matter is, how many of you know that your life is not by chance? Oh my God, I, this is just some good stuff because somebody you think that what's happening is by accident. Someone, you might even think how you got here is by accident, but I just showed up to preach to about two, three feet people in here this morning to encourage you to know that God is not designing your life like a dice spin. Come on, come on. In fact, you know, even in the throughout the Bible, we find that that uh, there were many people who used to practice what is called casting lots. Everybody say casting lots. And what they would do is they would they would get things like sticks, different size sticks or rocks and stones. And what they would do is they would mark some and they would leave some unmarked. And what they would do to cast lots is they, you know, when they were trying to make a decision and they were trying to determine which way to go. We find throughout scripture that before the Holy Spirit came, that people would cast lots to determine which direction it was that they were supposed to go. In fact, the Bible actually makes it clear in Jonah chapter 1 verse 7 in the story of Jonah. It's a story in the first half of the Bible where there was a guy by the name of Jonah who was on assignment for the Lord and he decided that instead of doing what God told him to do, that he would go in the opposite direction. And the, the man them on the boat, once they got on the ship, you know, there were some winds and some waves and everybody that was around Jonah started experiencing difficulty because they're like, and so they start wondering, they're like, who is it that's bringing this trouble? And that's on the boat. Trust me. Can I just paint the picture for a second? 
Who's bringing the trouble on the boat? And so they say, you know what? Uh, you know, let's cast lots in Jonah chapter 1 verse 7. Let's cast lots to determine why this thing is happening. And so they cast lots and the lots fall on Jonah. And so Jonah gets tossed overboard and he ends up, you know, for those who are familiar with the story, you know, he ends up getting, you know, nyam by a fish. And we know how that goes. And then and he, he miraculously stays alive. But not only that, even when Jesus was being uh, crucified and tortured in Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, they cast lots to determine who would get his clothes. And so we find that, you know, that the, they cast lots. They, many of people were living lives uh, and determining the direction of their lives and or the presence of God based upon a dice roll. And, you know, uh, the fact is that even the Bible makes it clear. And I'm actually going to read this in Proverbs chapter 16. Keep your finger in first Peter. Uh, but look at this, because even when people think uh, uh, oftentimes that casting lots is by chance and luck and all of this the bible actually makes it clear in psalm in proverbs chapter 16 uh let's look at this verse 33 says the lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the lord so even when we cast lots and do things that we think are manipulating the plan of god how many of you know that god is still in control oh can i just help somebody on this morning because there's someone who thinks that it's over or someone who thinks that your life is by chance or that your gamble or that the way that you live your life is what is determining your uh, god's plan or god's destiny for your life but the bible is clear that we are not living by chance and in fact the last time that we see anyone casting lots is in Acts chapter 1 verse 26 after Judas had uh, had betrayed Jesus and Judas did what he did and he ends up can we just teach for a second he just ends up deciding you know that he was going to be a waste you and he actually fulfilled scripture and God decides that he is no longer going to use him right and uh, and so they have to determine who is going to take Judas's spot and they the disciples they cast lots to be able to determine, they end up choosing Matthias. Everybody say Matthias. And thereafter, after this happens, then comes the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And it's incredible because with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, no one is, is anywhere anymore needs to be in a place where they are indecisive. Because now, now I can have a relationship with God. Come on, somebody. And as I'm going through life, I no, need, no longer need to go through life second guessing. Why? Because I can have the Holy Spirit who the Bible makes it clear is God's, is, it will lead and guide us into all truth. Aren't you excited about the fact that life is not a dice spin and now you no longer have to guess about it, but you and I, we can have the presence of God in our lives by the Holy Spirit reminding us about the fact that God is sovereign, that his word is still true. That as he says in Psalm 24, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, come on, the world and they that dwell therein. And so our lives are not based upon dice spins. 
And even when it may seem that way for someone who showed up today in that sort of position based upon the troubles that you have, you might be saying because of the struggles that you're facing, oh man, this just my, I'm just having bad luck. And your perspective regarding your trouble, everybody say trouble. The perspective that you have regarding what it is that you are facing, the tribulations and the things that you are up against determines what you are going to get out of them. If you walk through life being in a place where you think that this is just all about luck, bad luck or good luck or superstitions, if that is your perspective, you are not going to get out of life what it is that God has destined for the challenges that you and I face. Who's with me on this morning? Can I give you point number one? Here it is, and this might not be popular stuff, but I believe that it's going to be freeing, and I believe that it's going to be empowering for someone today. Here's point number one for you, and it will be up on the screens for you as well. Our struggles are strategically sanctioned by the Savior. Our struggles are strategically sanctioned by the Savior. What do I mean by this? Some know I'm not saying as the Bible says God does not tempt anybody. However, watch this. God at times, watch this, will allow for things to happen in your life. The things that you are facing, they are not allowed to happen without the sanctioning or the allowance of God. And God will allow them to happen in our lives strategically with the purpose of either building us up. Because how many of you know that resistance builds muscle? But also he allows certain things that may even seem unfair so that his glory can be revealed to and through us in a massive manner. And most people think that God, you know, this is why a lot of people don't think that God is real. If God is real, how could he allow X, Y, and Z to happen? And this is because you think that God is Burger King and you can have him your way. Come on, somebody. But if you read the Bible in totality, you find out that it is not just a God that is just Twitter pated and fluffy and happy and all this. But sometimes he'll allow some challenges and some troubles to happen in your life. And if he allows them to happen it's not to destroy you but it's for the purpose of being able to build you up or reveal his glory in a big way our struggles are strategically sanctioned i love it because even as we see in the story of you know the children of israel who were enslaved for over 400 years by the egyptians and we find that what ends up happening is that oh, after 400 years, God sends Moses to, uh, to, to set these people free and to let God's people go. And it's incredible how this happens because what happens is Moses uh, tells Pharaoh, let God's people go. And every time Pharaoh promises that he's going to let God's people go, he goes back on his word. His heart is hardened and he goes back on his word. And he and this is just a pattern that keeps happening. And every time he hardens his heart, changes his mind and God sends another plague to be able to judge the Egyptians and show his magnanimous power. And it's insane because when you look at it, you're like, oh, Pharaoh just hardened his heart. 
Pharaoh was the one that just hardened his heart. Well, uh, no, it was not just Pharaoh. If you read Exodus chapter 7, and I'm noting scriptures, write them down. I encourage you to go study this for yourself through the week as we don't have time to go through all the scriptures. But it makes it clear that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It was God who was predominantly hardening Pharaoh's heart to disallow him from letting the Israelites go once and for all. Well, he ended up letting them go, but then he comes back again after them. And it's after he comes back again after them that God splits the Red Sea. But the, the Bible makes it clear that God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart for the purpose of displaying his glory on a massive scale to the world. Come on, somebody we would not know that God is able to part Red Seas unless the hardening of Pharaoh's heart took place and he went after him with his army come on somebody and God decided that he was going to do the miraculous and split the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry land and I don't know who I showed up to preach to today but I want to encourage you to know some of you think that this trouble that you're going through that it is not that it is just by luck or maybe because of something bad that you did and can I just let you know some of you the stuff that you're facing right now is not because of what you did bad but it's because of what you did right and it's because God looks at you and says I know that I've put everything inside of this person who am I preaching to I've put everything in them that they need to be able to successfully go through what it is that they're facing come here Job I hear Job in the beginning of the book the devil has a conversation with God and says hey have, look at this person look at all of this that he has and all this stuff I bet if you take it away from him all of his houses everything he has then you then he is going to curse you and that he is going and he is going to curse you and die but then God says guess what all right have you considered my servant Job he goes on and he says I give you the permission come on to be able to touch his life just don't take his life and so the devil goes and he takes everything and jacks stuff up. I wonder if there's anybody who's faced loss in this place and he takes stuff away. But at the end of it, come on somebody, God ends up not only blessing Job's socks off, but he blesses him double for his trouble y'all don't know won't want to be real with me today i just showed up to let someone know today that you might think come on that it's the devil you might think that it's just because of bad luck but i'm here to tell you that you serve a god a savior who strategically sanctions things that may come your way and if you would have the appropriate perspective can i just preach to myself for a second you can get some goodness out of it Write down Romans chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. And it's, a, it's the scripture and you just check it out and it talks about, just lets us know that, listen, God hardens whom he wills. He determines, see, people don't like that stuff because we think God is our genie in a bottle. No, but somebody say he's sovereign. He's sovereign and he, he, is, he is one that is able. He makes these decisions. And so, you know, I just love it. He does these things like hardening Pharaoh's heart. I don't know, somebody, he hardened your boss's heart. Oh, man. To let you go because that job, that business that he put in your soul, that he destined you and put you in the earth. Come on. That book, he allowed that thing to happen in your life because there's a book that's supposed to come forth, that's supposed to release a generation. But it's not going to happen. Who am I preaching to? Unless he allowed your boss to say no to you and shut the door in your face because you were sitting up in that boat being all comfortable come on somebody and you wouldn't step out to what it is that he called you to do if the boss didn't say no 
Oh, I just want to help somebody on this morning. No, this ain't no prosperity preaching. This is some perspective preaching. Come on, somebody. I want to challenge your perspective. I want to challenge you to where you never look at your problems the same way ever again. To where when people look at you and they say, oh, you should have blown your brains out by now because of what you were going through. You say, no, I'm not blowing out my brains because there's a Savior that's sitting in the same place that he was sitting yesterday. Come on, somebody. And he's love and he's in control. And if he's allowing it to happen to me, Romans 828 all things work together for good come on to them who love the Lord and are the called according can I just preach this morning I tell a story often it was a while ago God I'll never forget in our church in Michigan you guys met Pastor Trice the church that we planted in Michigan is still going there and God is doing incredible things and Pastor Trice and then we were there and I'll never forget I was fasting and praying and there was a lady in our church who was unable to have children and her name was Helen and you know and uh, and it's crazy because the Lord told me go on a Wednesday night and pray for Helen lay hands on Helen and prophesy to her that she is going to have children and some of you have heard this story act like you never heard it before and let it recharge your faith amen and so look, so she went, she had in vitro fertilization two times and it failed. Come on. Her tubes were so closed up that they shot dye inside and the dye shot back out. And so it was not looking good at all. And trust me, they were getting a lot of practice. Amen. And so anyways, uh, but nothing was working. And so we end up. Uh, God told me to do this and I'm like God are you sure you want me to tell this to this woman I know we know what's going on and it's not a, it's so Wednesday night came around for Bible study at church and I call her up to the front and I laid hands on her and everybody's watching this and I prophesied and declared to her about what the Lord was going to do crazy so almost a year goes by and I'm like oh Lord look at me a lying prophet I'm out here prophesying and ain't nothing happened we know they still practicing and nothing is happening what in the world am I supposed to do so it's crazy because I was studying to preach about the story of Hannah in Samuel how God who gave Hannah who was barren a child and and you know and it was insane because as I'm studying to preach this for Mother's Day I jog my memory comes back to Helen and I remember going and talking to my wife like babe these people they haven't had no baby they're not doing no more in vitro they're not doing nothing not whatever I cannot believe it. and I was embarrassed because I'm like I got to get up on Sunday Jesus and you led me to preach this text and look nothing has happened in almost a year tell me why while I'm sitting there in my office and I had not I don't remember how long it was that I had said this to my wife that we get a text message with Helen telling my wife that she just missed her period come on somebody and that she was pregnant watch this and so look at this so she gets miraculously pregnant on the on the weekend that I'm getting ready to preach about how God gave Hannah a baby while I'm sitting there tripping about why the word that I gave to her did not come to pass not only this somebody say there's more but then even after all that failed and all of this she ends up having the baby and I know this ain't Jesus birthday so don't write me an email but she ends up having the baby on December 25th on Christmas day 
It's so insane to me how God does stuff. I was sitting there tripping about the fact that it didn't come to pass when I wanted it to. Come on, somebody. I was sitting there looking like, oh, God didn't do it. But God is saying, look, I'm going to put some space and some time and some challenge that happens in between because you might just be looking for, you know, for this thing to happen quick. But I want to do it in such a magnanimous way. He saw down the line about a year later when I'd be getting up ready to preach to somebody about the miraculous power of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody, and that he would give us the best example possible when Helen was able to stand up and be like look I'm pregnant come on and all of those people were there on that Wednesday when the prophecy went forth. I don't know who I'm show I showed up to preach to today but God has a bigger plan than you can imagine and you've been ready to throw in the towel because of what it is that you're facing but if you would look and shift your perspective you would know that God has a bigger plan than what you see right now now somebody give God praise if you believe it this morning can I give you point number two here it is point number two for you will be up on the streets says stop giving the devil credit <laughs> I got to stop right there stop giving the devil credit for things that God has designed for your good and his glory Oh man, stop giving the devil, because we always talking about, oh, the de child, the devil is after me, and the devil is doing this, and nobody knows the trouble I see, and we just always giving the devil credit. How many of you know that the devil is not omniscient? Come on, somebody. The devil is just acting case by case, move by move, but we serve a God who says that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. Come on, somebody, that he exists outside of time in eternity, and God, God has this thing he is orchestrating it all we're giving the devil credit for things that God is orchestrating and so I, I just the next time you're in problems and the next time you're in challenges yes we understand that we are in a war we understand that there is spiritual warfare but how many of you know that not even the devil not even the devil can jack your life up and can do things to you unless he has the allowance come on of the Lord and so as a result that lets me know that if it's happening to me it's for my good and for God's glory and so it is not the devil who deserves the credit but it is God who deserves the glory it's not the devil who deserves the credit it's God who deserves the glory it's not the devil who deserves the credit it's God who deserves the glory no it's not God that did that thing to you but it is God who oftentimes will allow it because he knows that it's for your good and for his glory who's with me give God some praise in this moment it's God who sent the fish. The Bible makes it clear in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible makes it clear that it says it's God who sent the fish. Jonah was heading in the wrong direction. He was disobeying God. Come on. And so even in Jonah's disobedience, because he was assigned and called by God, it was God who sent the fish. It wasn't the devil who sent the fish. Come on. It wasn't the devil who sent that thing. It was, it was God who uh, sent the fish in that camp to get Jonah back on the right track. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know what the fish looks like in your life, but stop giving the devil credit for the fish. Come on. There's some of you who are walking in disobedience right now and you think that it's the devil. It's the de No, God in his love, who the Lord loves, he chastises. This is the Bible. And so the whooping that you may be getting in your life right now is not because God hates you and the devil's trying to jack you up further than you are, but sometimes it's because he's trying to get you back 
where you need to be. Are you with me? When we have this perspective of our problems, when we have this perspective of our problems, this is why, this is why James can say in the book of James, write it down, chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4, where he says, count it, count it all joy when you enter into trials of various kinds. He says, for the trial of your faith worketh patience or steadfastness or, or, or uh, perseverance. And he says, let patience or perseverance have its perfect work in you that you may be whole or complete or mature it may perfect you and you will be wanting nothing see there is blessing on the other side of the challenge and the trouble that you face and if you and I would have the appropriate and the godly perspective understanding that we're not living on a dice spin but we're un we're living in the will of the Lord come on the things that happen to us and the things that we walk through we can get the most and the best out of them who am I preaching to on this morning this is why you can count it all joy you can count it joy because it's designed and assigned by God and it will better you and God has a plan you know beyond what it is that we face I love stuff like in Acts chapter 4 verse 22 there's a story in the book of Acts and there's a story about this guy who's been at a gate called beautiful and the paradox is that he is crippled and he is begging at a gate called beautiful and it just seems so crazy that this is transpiring the bible makes it clear that he encounters peter and john as they're on their way to go to pray and as he encounters them they tell him they don't have any money to give him to support what what what, what he was uh, experiencing at that time but they offer him the power of god and this individual, the Bible says, after they encounter him, gets up and starts jumping and leaping and praising God. Consequently, over 2,000 people get saved uh, because of his testimony. And what I love about this story is that in Acts 4 verse 22, it says that this man on whom the miracle was done was above 40 years of age oh man see some of us we read stuff like that and we just look over it and we just say oh this was just in God no that's just a little thing for me to bypass and go no I believe that that God strategically included that in the scripture for those of you who feel like it's over because of your age come on somebody you feel like you can't do nothing because you're over 40 you feel like you can't go back to school you feel like you can't have another relationship who am I talking to there's no more love for me because of my age I feel like God put stuff like this in here to show us that it's not over come on it's not over just because of your age God could have allowed this man to stay bound at this gate called beautiful with the illusion of everything being okay but God decides that even in his even though he is above 40 that there's still a plan and literally thousands of people came to the Lord because of what happened in his life man I don't know who I'm preaching to today but thinks that because of the age that you're at or because of the money that you have or you don't have or the degree that you have or you don't God allows these things to show us that there is more beyond where you are don't count yourself out because of your age don't count yourself out because of your bank account don't count yourself out God still is able and he includes details like this I believe strategically to remind us that there is more beyond where we are who's with me on this morning somebody give God praise it's a lot of praise moments in here today And can I just keep it real? Because somebody sitting up here and you're like, you're like, Pastor Andrew, mm-hmm. Okay. 
you trying to tell me, you up in here trying to tell me that I need to like fake happiness. That right in the middle of the stuff I'm going through, I'm supposed to act like I'm, how you talking about, count it all joy. And so that must mean that I'm supposed to fake happiness. Can I give you point number three? Here it is, look. God hasn't called us to fake happiness for tribulation, but instead to find his joy in it. Oh, man. The difference between happiness and joy, come on, is that happiness is based upon what is happening. Come on. And see, the fact is, some of you may see this as mere semantics, but in fact, it's not semantics. It's truth because you and I are happy based upon what's going on in our lives. But joy, especially for those of us who are Christians, it's not determined by what's happening. Come on. You can have joy, as the Bible tells us, right in the middle of what we're going through. And that's why, as Peter said in our text today he says don't be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as if something strange as if it's a dice roll were happening to you but rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice and be glad with the when his glory is revealed when you suffer in a, as a Christian when you go through tribulations and trials you know the fact is that you are identifying with Christ watch this with his sufferings and when Christ went down and he was and he was crucified and he was buried his story tells us that crucifixion is not the end come on somebody that trouble is not the end and so the reason why we rejoice and we have joy even in the middle of hard times is because Jesus's story with whom we are identifying and with which we are identifying tells us that there is something beyond the cross that we are facing I don't know how who, who in this place has been made fun of because of your Christianity because of your faith has been persecuted because you've named the name of Christ but I'm here to tell you that even though this may be the case don't give up and throw in the towel because we're not out here telling you to be fake and to fake happiness but know that there just like Jesus rose from the dead as sure as he rose from the dead we have the same assurance that there is more beyond the things that you are facing right now and so no you don't have to fake happiness you don't have to walk around and be like I'm so glad and I'm so excited about the fact that I'm you know going through this loss I'm so glad oh man praise God for the fact that the bill collectors are pounding down my door anybody know what I'm talking about you know there's those fake Christians that you that people be coming up to you and you'll be talking to them and, and you'll be like how are you doing and they're like oh blessed of the Lord and highly favored you know and they're, 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 I tell you all the time you be calling up some people's voicemails and you, and you call their voicemail and like you have reached the anointed line of Jesus and if you leave me your prior request I promise not prayer request prior request by the end by the end by the time you I call you back your miracle is on the way you know people just be so sanctified and sedity at the end of the day when they are not real and so no I'm not telling you that's why the Bible says there's a time for mourning come on there is a time for weeping to everything there is a season you may be in a weeping season you may be in a challenging season but you still can have joy because weeping may endure for a night but joy somebody shout joy 
comes in the morning. You can be in a weeping season and still have joy. I can be unhappy but still have joy that there is something beyond what I'm facing. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm about to take some laps around this place because I just feel there's some joy in this building. There's somebody in here on today who's at the end of your road but God sent me to tell you that joy is coming. That's why Paul doesn't tell the church at Thessalonica, he don't say, he doesn't say for everything, give thanks. But he tells them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 18, he says, in all things, <laughs> give thanks. For this is for the, this is the joy, this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. I'm not, God's not telling you to give thanks for the fact that a loved one passed away. But you can give thanks in it, come on, because you know that there's something beyond. I want to just preach some destiny and some hope to somebody today that came here and is at the end of the road. There is more. You don't have to give thanks for it, but you can give thanks in it. How many of you know that sometimes the miracle is not how God brought you out, but it's how he kept you in the middle of it oh my sometimes it's not about how God takes you out of it it's not about the biggest miracle it's not him opening the jail door but it's that you didn't lose your mind right when you were in the middle of the jail come on somebody can I just call the roll for a second how about Elijah I wonder if there's anybody when Elijah messed up and he ran away and was in the wilderness the fact is that even though he ran away that God sent some ravens to come and feed him in the time of wilderness who am I talking to can I talk to you not only about Elijah but can I talk to you about the fact that Daniel it was God keeping Daniel in the middle of the lion's den it wasn't that he brought him out but the miracle was especially that he kept him right there in the middle of it can I talk to you about the three Hebrew boys Shadrach Meshach and Abednego come on somebody that they were shut up in this fiery furnace and they were there and it looked like all hope was lost so much so that the king turned up the fire hotter than seven times hotter than it was supposed to be and so the miracle was not that God brought them out of the fiery furnace but the miracle was that they looked and they were able to see a fourth man that was in there come on somebody that even a heathen king was able to recognize that this must be the son of God the miracle was not the bringing out but the miracle was that the fire brought out the son of God and there's somebody in here today who you're wondering why you're going through the fire I'm telling you stay in there and let it burn baby burn let the trial and the tribulation go on and if you stay there long enough if God is designed for you to be in there you trust and believe that people are going to look at you and look at your situation look in the furnace of your life and say God is real because of what's happened to them somebody give God praise in this moment You know, I got three kids. I know I look like I'm a kid, but I got three of them. And Gabriel, who's, who's 10, and about to be 11, Noah, who's nine, and Claire, who is three. And the thing about these kids, you know, they're very picky when it comes to food. And one of the things that we try to teach them is to be grateful. Somebody say grateful. 
grateful for the food that they are eating and to have gratefulness as they eat their food. So not, not only do we teach them about gratefulness in terms of enjoying the food, but we teach them about the perspective they should have about the food. How many of you know that sometimes there are things that we don't like to eat when we sit down to the table? And especially Gabriel, it's incredible because there are things that Gabriel hates eating. That his brother, he uses that as an opportunity to go, oh, I love this food. And so Noel will be sitting there like, oh, mom, this is amazing. This is great. And he's trying to just show off on Gabriel, who's sitting over there like, oh, my gosh. Um, holding his nose, trying to eat the food. Because he, there are certain things that he does not like. Come on, somebody. But what we teach him is that even if you don't like the food, we're positioning him to still be grateful. Because there was somebody named mom who thought about this meal. Come on. She didn't just grab up some random stuff and dash it together on a plate and put it in front of you. But she thought out this meal. She thought about the nutrition. Come on. She thought about the amount of calories that you need. I'm just bigging up my wife. Just take the gas. Take the gas. You know, she's like, you know, she thought about the calories, the amount of calories that were necessary for his dietary uh, requirements at this age. She, she thought about the fact that he can't just eat Fruit Loops uh, from morning, noon, and night because that's not, he's not going to get the nutrition that he requires. And so we challenge him to understand also that, you know, it's not a, there, he didn't have to have food to eat, but even if he don't like it, God is providing, come on somebody. And so you want to be grateful, not for the eggplant Parmesan that you don't like, but even if you don't give thanks for the eggplant, you can give thanks in it and have joy because there's someone who has a bigger plan, who is greater than you, who has put some thought into what's going on. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I want to let you know that God has a greater plan than what it is that you see right now. And even if it doesn't make any sense to you, even if you don't see beyond it, you need to understand that you can be grateful and give thanks and rejoice in stuff even if you're not happy about it are you with me you know and i'll just say this and then i'll challenge you because the fact of the matter is this when i think about it i think about how many times i've lost stuff you know you ever been in a position and I, i'll never forget this where you've lost like say you've lost your watch and i remember i lost my watch and I literally was walking all around. I'm searching all over. I'm looking for my watch. I'm vexed that my watch is gone. I'm facing the trouble. I'm that guy that I sleep in my watch. I bathe in my watch. I do everything in my watch, right? Because it talks, it measures, you know, I'm geeking out. But anyway, it, you know, it has a step counter and I'm a runner. So it, me it measures my, my, uh, how much I go and how I work out and all that stuff and the heart rate and all those things, right? And I'm vexed that I've lost my watch. And see, I'm going and searching for my watch. I'm looking everywhere and I'm bent. Like, how in the world? I'm not happy about this. But then look at what happens. I'll never forget. I'll go and look in the couch. In the one of, you know, in between the, the arm of the couch and that cushion, that lash cushion right there. And I'm pulling it aside. And I'm looking down in the thing. And guess what? While I was in there, I found a remote. How many of you have been looking for your remote for like the past five years? Like, look, I've been looking for my remote control. I couldn't find the remote longer than I couldn't find the watch. Come on, somebody. And so I ended up, because of what happened with the watch, I was able to go and look and I found something else. Because the watch got lost, God was able to use the loss of the watch to 
help me to find something else. I don't know who I showed up to preach to to let you know that this thing is strategic. I don't know what it is that you lost, but you might mess around and find that peace that you lost a long time ago. Come on. You might mess around and find that joy that went out the window. Come on. That relationship with your family member that went out the window that's been lost in between the couch. When you're going looking for that other thing, it's amazing how God can use one thing to help you to relocate something else. <laughs> so I'm going to close but look at this so first Peter chapter 4 we got to get baptized people look at the text it says if you are insulted for the name of Christ you are blessed primarily here he's speaking about uh, in your own witness and things of this nature and things you face for your faith and he says because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you there's a spirit of glory that's why we're not casting lots no more right and of God rests upon you. But let no one of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. And so here he's challenging us around the fact that some of the things that we often face are as a result of our own doing. And we thank God that he is still able, even when the trouble that we face is because of our own doing, I thank God that he is still able to turn those things around. But watch this. There are many of you, the stuff that you're facing, it's not because God's desire is for you to experience these things. But many of us, it's because of our choices. Can I give you point number four? Here it is, because this is important to balance it all out. Because some of the stuff is because you're being a knucklehead. Well, it's tight, but it's. Point number four, make sure that your torment is not due to scriptural misalignment. I'll say it again. In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Make sure that your torment is not due to scriptural misalignment. So what do I mean? Because notice he says, make sure that the stuff you're facing isn't because you are being a waste you. He says, if you are facing stuff, let it be because you are following after God. And these are things that happen along the way. And so we, I believe that there are many of us that we are going through certain things. And the reason why you're facing them is because you are not, you are not learning your lesson and your life is out of line with God's word. And yes, we are not perfect. So we will find and identify areas of our life where this will be the case but we have to consistently in this process of sanctification where God is taking what has happened on the inside of us and pushing it to the outside so that it can be seen on the outside it's a partnership and we have to be to the place where we are examining ourselves this is why Paul says write this down 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 he says to examine yourself to check and see if you are in the faith examine yourself not go around getting saved every week i'm not talking about that but he's challenging us to be introspective and to check our lives and yes if you are going through things you need to evaluate and i need to evaluate why is it that we're going through them are we doing what god has called us to do in an area or are we like jonah heading in the wrong direction and what's happening is to get us on the right path is because god is trying to bring us to a place of repentance can I just tell you this, and this is important. Some of us are running only towards acceptance and endorsement instead of deliverance and breakthrough. This, this is it. Look, there are people who leave churches all the time because this church didn't accept me. And what I mean by this is not 
we accept everyone, but it's because certain things in your lifestyle may be challenged. And so as the Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, that in the last days people will not endure sound doctrine but they or teaching, but they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want people to titillate their ears. So we're going to run to every church that's going to tell us stuff that we like. When in actuality, God is more concerned about your holiness than your comfortability. He's more concerned about your deliverance than your comfort. He wants you to be in a place of victory. He wants you to be in a place of growth. And so the, 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 the desire for you when it is that we are determining even churches to be a part of and things of this nature, it cannot be, it cannot be because of the fact that we are looking for acceptance. Yo, can I just say it? Bun acceptance, fam. Too many people accepting you and allowing you to still walk like a waste you. If I'm walking around here with a booger hanging out my nose, I want somebody to tell me. If my fly is down, I hope Brian or my, well, actually, hopefully my wife is going to look up here and be like, babe, you're, you're blowing your nose or your fly is low or something. Or wants me to be in a place where she wants me to be better. I'm not trying to create a church that's just all about fluff and people come through the doors. Yay, welcome home. And then you leave out the same way that you came in. I'm going to challenge you. Sometimes I'm going to say stuff that you don't like. And guess what? It doesn't, guess who it has to hit first before it hits you. It has to come to me first. And so I get challenged as well. And so I want to see you grow. And so check yourself, fam, before you wreck yourself. Ooh, eh. 